Uh, and so if you have a Bible, I want to welcome you, uh, encourage you to grab one. We're going to be in Philippians chapter 1, starting out this series called More Than Pearls. I'll get into that in just a second. also want to see our church grow spiritually. Uh, one of the things that we are going to release this week is a midweek podcast. And what we will do in the podcast is talk through uh, snippets of the sermon that I perhaps may have missed or something that we need to dive in just a little bit deeper. We'll also talk through some crazier things uh, because I will be hosting it. And you never know what's going to come out of my mouth, especially when I'm in a room by myself, talking to myself in a microphone. So that will be really fun. Okay, or not. So you could check out our pot. You could also listen to sermons and stuff. It's on the Apple podcast, and we just released it on Spotify this week. So look for all of those shenanigans on a podcast, all right? So we have starting, or we are starting a series in the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians, and it's called More Than Pearls. I was in my study time, I was listening to a theologian, and he was talking about this idea of how we read scriptures, and sometimes we read scriptures as if they are just pearls, and, you know, we take pearls and sometimes we'll just lift them up as, as if we'll take it into our own context and remove it from the very context that it is in. And, like, for example, we'll hear a scripture similar to the song we sing in Jeremiah 29, 11. I know the plans after you, the plans are good, they're prosper. But if we understood that actual promise that was for the Israelites in this particular time. Um, but, yes, our God does love us. And, yes, he has good plans for us. Uh, and then when I think through the book of Philippians, I think that there are tons of little pearls all throughout this letter to the Philippians. Um, for example, to live is for Christ or to die is for Christ also. Um, one of the uh, more famous ones, he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Rejoice in the Lord again. Again, I say rejoice in the Lord and one of the most popular scriptures that we like to lift up, right? Do you want to guess it? It's in Philippians chapter 4. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That is my verse. That means that I can be at 90 years old an NBA star, even though I've never played basketball before. But I can do all things through Christ. <laughs> I can become the president of the United States of America right now. Do you know why? Because I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a pearl that's lifted up out of the context in which it was written. And my hope is, is as we see all of these beautiful scriptures and these pearls that Paul has laced in the letter to the Philippians, we can see them in the beautiful context in which they really are. Like if I, if I thought about Philippians, it's the coffee cup book of the Bible, right? Everybody's got one of the scriptures from Philippians on a coffee cup or somewhere. So my goal is, is to look through this letter that Paul has written to the Philippians and, and what I would argue to the church universal and see what this theme is. A lot of people, when you hear a, a series on Philippians, you can go Google it, but not right now, wait till I'm done. You'll see, oh, this is the book of joy. While that's true, I would suggest that there's something a little deeper that's happening in Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I want to, I want to dig that out every week, and we'll find it this morning. So I've given you plenty of time to get to Philippians chapter 1. 
And we're going to take it just 11 verses. Uh, God willing, we will get through all of these 11 verses. Hear the word of the Lord this morning. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and the deacons, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God and all my remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine for you, all making my prayer with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, here, this first pearl right here, that he who began a good work in you will bring it into completion at the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart. For you are all partakers with me of grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness how I yearn for you all with affection of Christ Jesus. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Just one more time, let me pray over the reading of God's word and over us this morning that we may hear God speak. God, thank you so much that you have just spoken to us through your word that is our authority. And so, Lord, I just pray that as, as I talk through these powerful scriptures that when we leave this place, that we wouldn't see Matthew, we would see how beautiful and glorious our God is and how powerful, majestic he is for us. Save and heal in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me give us a little bit of context, if I can, this morning to kind of set us up in the scripture. We know that Paul and Silas, if you remember back in the story of Acts, they, they visited to Philippi, and they went there to share the gospel. And this was indicative of what Paul would do. He would often go and spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus, plant a church, and end up in jail. Get out of jail, find a different location, plant a church, share the gospel, end up in jail, be released, repeat. You kind of get this theme. Uh, this is kind of a, a work description that Paul seemingly has from the Lord, go plant a church, you'll get arrested, but I'll release you. And then you're going to go do it again. This is what Paul has done. So we, we find ourselves uh, 10 years or maybe 12 years after the fact that Paul has planted this church in Philippi. And it's a growing, robust church that is filled with people who are spreading the gospel and loving Jesus Christ. How did he plant this church? Well, he finds the lady Lydia. You remember Lydia in the story of Acts? Her wealthy merchant lady. She's converted from Judaism to Christianity. And then Paul kind of gets himself in a little bit of trouble where he's going to end up in prison, where he finds this demon-possessed girl. And Paul, with the authority of the Holy Spirit, commands this this demonic power to be released from this girl. It sounds like some horror movie that you've probably watched. This is first church stuff here. This is ministry that Paul is finding himself in, casting the devil out. Now, the problem is this gets Paul in an immense amount of trouble because she was a fortune teller. 
and section of the economy that they're in gets hit and the people who own this slaved girl, they get really ticked off at Paul. And so what do they do? They thank Paul for releasing this girl from the torture. No, I think that he deserved a good thank you. But no, what do they do? They put him in jail. Now, putting Paul in jail is not a good idea. Because something Paul would do here in this prison cell is that he would begin to sing. And that he would begin to rejoice. And he would begin to, to praise the Lord. And what happened? Do you remember the story? The prison doors, they break open. And to the prison guards, surprise... As he's shocked, Paul witnesses to the cop, and the cop gets saved, and so does his family. So here we have three different folk who help Paul plant this church. We have a rich lady. We have a former demon-possessed girl and a cop. The makings of a wonderful story, maybe? I don't think you'd hear that story often told today, that a cop and a former demon-possessed girl and a rich lady are going to plant a church together with Paul. You see, this is the story that God writes and continues to write. He uses these odd, awkward people to come together. And so Paul here, 10 years later, where is he at again? Did you, did you see that in the scripture where he was? He's in jail. But this time is different because Paul, Paul understands that he's probably about to die this time. He's not necessarily in jail. He's in house arrest. And Paul's writing this letter to this robust, thriving church in Philippi. Paul actually has this love for this church. I don't know if you noticed that. In fact, I thought about titling this series, My Favorite Church. Doesn't it seem like, like there, there's no like, you get a straighten up right here, straighten up right there. And if you don't get your act together, I'm going to jump out of this prison cell and come over there and whoop your tails. You didn't get none of that, did you? It wasn't like angry daddy Paul. Paul's got this affection for these people. Like anybody yearning for the church? Anybody just wake up in the morning and say, oh God, thank you. I am yearning to be back with those folks in that movie theater. I yearn to hear that weird dude yell at me again week after week. I am yearning for this stuff. But Paul's got this affection for his people. Look what he said. I thank my God in verse uh, 3 in my remembrance of you always in every prayer of mine for you all mankind my prayer with joy. He's in a prison cell or a house arrest saying this because of your partnership and the gospel. It is right for me to feel this way about you because I hold you in my heart and I'm yearning for you. For God is my witness I yearn for you with all my affections of Christ. Paul's got this love for this church. And he's writing them this letter, likely in some ways to thank them for their financial uh, assistance. In other, way, in other ways, he's, he's writing this letter is, is probably to just tell them, hey, calm down. I, I know I'm in jail, but it's going to be okay. You've got a great thing going there. And that's what we're going to see today. Paul is going to redirect their attention, not on themselves or maybe some of the persecution or they're watching Paul being persecuted, but he's going to redirect their heart on God and our all-powerful God. 
I want to look at this verse 6 and do the best work I can with it. Look what he says in verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Just a few things to note from this particular scripture. The first thing to note is that who started this work? Who started the work? If I were back in the South, the church would talk back to me, but it's okay. We're, we're getting there, all right? We're getting there, maybe. Who started the work? God started this work, and he started it, former possessed girl, rich lady, and a cop. Not the way we would probably start a story. Not the way that we would probably start a work. But I love how God starts works. He starts works that sometimes they look like they're a little rocky and a chaotic start. Right? Isn't that kind of the MO of God? The work that we probably start would not be like this story. But that's not how God operates. Because the difference is, the difference between you and me is that God is, God can see not only the starting of a work, but also the completion of a work. Maybe the work that God has started inside of you, maybe it's not the way you thought it should be. Maybe it seems like, God, I think you started something, but I sure ain't feeling like ain't nothing else happening. I, like, I, like, I feel like, yeah, I'm starting to second guess the thing that you started, God. It's frustrating, is it not? Yeah. It's frustrating, especially it's frustrating for us. You ever started a project and then give up on it because you just were so frustrated because you could not get to that completed section of the project in a timely manner, right? It's frustrating. You ever renovated a home? I have. It's frustrating. It's not fun. You start out and you demolish things and you're like, what have I done? Because you've lost the vision of what it should look like. I think that's what we do in our lives so many times. We know God started something, but we just can't see the completed project. So we get so frustrated. But the good news of God is that he starts it and you may not be able to see the final part of it, but God does. God sees, and he starts these things, even though they are chaotic at times. You think, you think about how God works in chaos. You remember the story of Genesis and the story of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and void, chaotic. But God said, let there be light. And he didn't stop in the middle of the creation process. You know, God would create something, and what he would say after his Created, well, it's good. Probably didn't look good. I mean, man forming from the, the earth and the dust has got to be creepy, y'all. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Here's God playing with dirt, spitting, and, and I don't know how he's doing all this stuff. But I'm sure you and I probably not write the story of the creation of mankind like that. It probably looks messy. But this is how God works, and this is how he operates, because God starts it. And we may not see the completed part of it yet, 
But here's what we can do. And here's what Paul is redirecting the folks at Philippi. Like y'all got a good thing started. And the reason why it's good is because God started it. What is he doing here? He's pointing them back to God. It's pointing them back to Jesus. And I would argue that this book is far more about having joy, which that's great. You need joy. All right, we don't need no sour-faced Christians anymore. Please get joy in your life. But I think there's something deeper happening up in this letter to the Philippians. Paul is telling them, get your eyes off of this situation. and Put your eyes on a God that started this work. And the next thing, he who began, what kind of work? A good work. It's a really good work. It may not seem like it's a good work. It may seem like it started off a little rough and seems a little random, seems a little chaotic. But God's work isn't random. God's work is intentional and it's good. It may not feel good inside of you right now, but if God has started something, like it may not feel good right now with something that's happening in your life, but I promise you, God has started an intentional and very good work in your life. We should kind of let us know something. If God has started a good work in us, shouldn't the overflow of that be that our work should be good also? That our work should also be intentional. Our work should also be good. The work of Refuge City, should it not be good, intentional, and not just random things? Like, I'm good at Captain Random, all right? Like, I can be the most random person you've probably ever met. And I thank God God is not a random person. God's work is not random. He has started something that is good. And so that should be the outworking of all believers. God honoring work, intentional work, a work that is walking around in our neighborhoods and sharing the gospel, a work that's probably in the, the bad sections of Cedar City and, and spreading the good news of the kingdom of God that's here now. God honoring, intentional work. And God's work, and it's good work, and it should flow out of us. Look what he said in verse 9. And it is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment, so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless, blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness, righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What is Paul doing? He's praying God would stir up good works in his people and they wouldn't grow weary or just set on cruise control. They would continue to press and to strive and do good things and spread the gospel of Jesus. So God, he starts something, something not random in your life, something not unintentional in your life, but he starts something that's very good and very intentional in your life. And, and when I read this scripture, I don't, I don't know if you've asked this, but I'll ask the question for all of us. If you read this and you're thinking, well, geez, preacher, you said you got to read this in context. So is he just talking to the Philippines? Philippines. Philippians? It's the wrong country, all right? Way off. The Philippians? I knew that was going to happen. No. He's talking about 
the greater church, because he says what? Until the day of completion from our Lord Jesus Christ. So this isn't just a promise for one church. Guys, this is a promise for all believers at all times. That the work that he starts will be completed. I go back to Genesis. God didn't just leave it hanging up, dangling like, all right, y'all, cosmos folks out there, worlds, try to figure it out. Planets and stars, I hope you get it together because you'll probably melt somebody if you don't. No, he, he is, he's like involved with this and he completes it. Think about the promise of Abraham. Hey, Abe, I'm going to reconcile all things through you. It didn't seem like that God failed at that promise for Abraham's perspective. I would say, yeah, probably. Because Abraham's super old, and the Bible says his wife is good as dead. By the way, not a way that you should describe your spouse. It would take years, hundreds, thousands of years, but did God fulfill that promise? Yeah, Jesus Christ. Fulfilling that, reconciling all of us. So the timeline may be a little confusing for some of us. The frustrations may be there and may be rightfully there because you feel like God started something in you, but you're frustrated. You're, you're still lonely. You're still uh, finding yourself in this, this state of anxiety. You're still just questioning and doubting God. Didn't you start something? But I just want to encourage you that if, if he has indeed started it, I don't know when he'll complete it, but he will complete the work that he starts inside of you. God completes this promise to them. And I think that when we're in this state of, I don't know, um, you know, we're, we're finding ourselves, geez, God, like, did you? The questioning, right? God, I know you've, you've given me this desire, and I don't see anything coming to fulfillment in this. I know, God, that you've given me a specific promise, and I know that God will do that for his children, because, again, he loves his children. God, I know that you've given me a desire to do something, but why am I in this cycle of, like, this spiritual funk where I just don't feel like, God, you're not at work at all? Ever asked that question? Some of you may be there right now. I mean, I've, I've been in that position where, where I'm just like, you know, God, I, I know you've called me to do something. I know that you have, you know, set this desire in my heart. But why do I feel like, like you've just kind of just been like, ha ha, just kidding. Why do I feel that in my heart? I think it's a question of, God, is there more out there? Is this is this, this is how I framed the question before, is, is this it, God, right? It's a question of, of contentment, and I'm not talking about worldly contentment. I'm not saying, like, is this it? Is this all the house I'm going to get, God? And am I, am I not going to get the Bentley, Jesus? Why not? I'm not talking about worldly contentment here. Spiritual contentment. There's this desire inside all of the believers of Christ to want more from God. And that's good. You never want to be at this stage in your Christian walk where you're just like, oh, I'm good. God, I think I've got enough. 
Like I'm on cruise control. I don't need any more. I've got all the word I need. I've memorized the whole Bible. I'm fine. God help us if we ever get in that situation. And likewise, I think Paul here is, is kind of warning the church of Philippians. He's warning the church of Philippi. He's like, hey, y'all, God has started something that's super incredible in you guys. And like, I'm yearning to be back there, but I'm, I'm kind of in house arrest. So I'm really sorry I can't be there with you. I don't want you to get on cruise control and think that this is all God has for you. Could it be that that's what Paul is telling them with this pearl verse that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it, that he's telling them, I want that desire. You remember that desire when we started this church, how incredible it was, how this cop showed up, how this girl who used to be possessed showed up and how this really rich lady showed up. Like that was amazing because she was tithing. Do you remember how incredible it was in that moment when people were coming to the Lord and, and the gospel was spreading all throughout Philippi? Do you remember that? God's got more for you. Here's why. If he's not completed the work, then he's not done. If you feel that frustration, like, why don't I feel like God's done with me yet? Honey, that's a good thing. If God's done with you, you're dead. Right? I mean, I'm here to encourage you, right? But the fact that you have breath in your lungs is evidence. You may feel like God has abandoned you, but if God started something inside of you, he's not. He's not done with the work that he said he will complete. Do you hear what this is for the church of Philippi? It's a call of endurance. We, we, we would call that in our, our culture today, it's a call of grit. And who's the one that has to endure, y'all? This is good news. You kind of, but who gives you the strength to endure? Jesus does. So Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, gives you this power that you didn't know you even had to endure persevere. So the reason why you keep asking yourself, like, God, why is this? Why do I feel like this is it? Why do I feel like you've just left me? Is because there's this spirit of God inside of you calling you, keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Because he who started this work inside of you, it's a good work. And he, all-powerful God, God of the cosmos who created all things is working with you. Like, think about that. As many times I goof up, many times I screw up, as many times as I just fail as a parent or, or just fail as a husband or fail as a pastor, as many times as I'm failing at this, the spirit of God is there calling you to, to endure because he's not done with you yet. It, if you have breath in your lungs, that's really good because he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete that work inside of you. Let me pray for us this morning.